The Atlanta Braves get back to their winning ways on Thursday evening with a narrow victory over the Washington Nationals thanks to a good start from Kyle Wright and some heroic performances by Michael Harris. We'll talk about that and also continue our MLB draft coverage, looking at some of the mock drafts out there, and then I'll tell you who I think the Braves should be taking early in this draft, and then we'll set you up for the rest of the weekend. All that on a Friday episode of Locked on Braves, so let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and you can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see everywhere I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves, where you can be part of the conversation. Send in any questions, comments, feedback that you may have for the show. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Hit that thumbs up button on the video. Hit that notification bell. So you get notified whenever we post a new episode. Appreciate all the comments. Had a ton of great comments on the last episode. I really do appreciate that and great interaction with you as well. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. On this Friday edition of Lockdown Braves, we'll be recapping Thursday's game against the Washington Nationals. Some good performances in there, also some bad to talk about as well. Things got a little shaky late, but then we'll continue our MLB draft coverage, looking at some of the mock drafts out there, and then I'll tell you who I would like to see the Braves take, and then we'll set you up for the rest of the weekend. But getting into Thursday's night, Thursday's night's game, the Braves hold on for a 5-4 to four win as they begin a four-game series with the Washington Nationals to end the first half of the season. And, you know, Braves scored early, got a home run from Dansby Swanson in the first inning, a two-run homer from Dansby Swanson after Acuna, you know, walked, stole second, moved to third on an air. Um, so that was certainly great. I know he missed a couple again in that Mets series, so good to see Dansby get one that goes over the fence this time. But then the Nationals come right back. They tie it up and took some heroics late for Michael Harris, which uh, we're going to get into. And then the bullpen a little shaky late, but able to hold on. But Michael Harris, I thought, was the star of the show on Thursday night. I mentioned the Nationals came back, tied the game up early on after the two-run homer from Dansby in the first inning. And then in the fifth inning, in the top of the fifth inning, Michael Harris had a 10-pitch at bat against Anibal Sanchez, and on that 10th pitch, took a fastball up above the strike zone, really at his shoulders, 92-mile-per-hour fastball, and pulled it out to right field for a two-run homer to give the Braves a lead. And if that wasn't enough, in the bottom of the fifth, the Nationals had first and second with just one out and one Soto at the plate, and Soto rips the ball into the left center field gap I thought the runner from second was going to score easily, but Michael Harris was able to somehow get around that baseball despite his body falling to left field and got enough on that throw and was able to throw it accurately enough to get the runner at home. Just an unbelievable play. We've seen him make some unbelievable plays already. We know the arm that he has, but 
to be able to get his body in a position to make that throw and even attempt to make that throw is just beyond absurd. I mean, right now, to me, and I obviously don't get to watch every team and every game, but Michael Harris, I think, has to be the gold glove winner in center field, despite him only being here for you know a month and a half. What we've seen out of him so far is just ridiculous, and he continues to do things each night that just make you say, sit back and say, wow, you know. Um, and so this kid, I mean, just, again, stealing the show on Thursday night in that win, uh, big home run, incredible play defensively, just doing it all. You know, he's been in a slump, you know, which we all kind of saw coming. Uh, I didn't think he was going to hit 340 for the rest of the season. So you knew there was going to be some regression, but still finding ways to make an impact on the game. Really love, again, what we're seeing from Michael Harris. And then also Kyle Wright. I thought he was really good as well and exactly what the Braves needed. A uh, bit of a shaky start. Honestly, was fortunate to get out of the second inning, not giving up more than he did. Uh, he had bases loaded, nobody out, and only allowed one run in that inning. So a great job of escaping there and keeping the game tied. But his final line, seven innings, seven hits, one walk, two earned runs, four strikeouts. So, again, gave up a good amount of hits. Didn't walk a lot of batters, uh, which is great. Um, only four strikeouts, but still gave the Braves length, which they really needed after that Met series where a Braves starter didn't make an out in the sixth inning. This was the type of outing that they needed. Fifteen swings and misses on the night for Kyle Wright. Pretty solid. You know, not anything great over seven innings, but – Still really solid. Seven of seven on uh, swings and misses on 19 swings against his curveball. Six swings and misses on 17 swings against his sinker. Uh, so those were the two dominant pitches for him on Thursday. Again, I mentioned he escaped that big jam in the second inning um, where the Nats loaded the bases. That was, you know, really a huge moment in that game where things could have gotten away from him. 86.7 mile per hour average exit velocity against him in this game. That's below his season average of 88.9. So did a good job there inducing weak contact for the most part. Um, one thing you noticed in this start is he gave up a couple of hits on his curveball early. I don't know if he just wasn't feeling that pitch, wasn't confident in it, but that's his best pitch. And as the game got going, that really became a pitch that he leaned on and he threw 18 curveballs to the first 21 batters that he faced in the game. And then in the final seven batters that he faced, he threw another 18 curveballs. So it was just really a pitch that, again, I don't know if he, I don't know if that was the game plan. He was trying to save that for later in the game, or he just didn't have confidence in it early. But it's a pitch that he really went to late and was really effective for him. Those last two innings, the sixth and seventh innings, might have been his best innings of the night. So it just seemed like he was getting better as the night wore on uh, mentioned, you know, mentor Jansen, a little shaky, both of them allowing a couple of hits and a run in their innings, making the game closer than it should have been. Um, you know, in the, in the ninth inning, Jansen gives up a solo home run with one out, then gives up a hit. Robles comes in and still second. Everybody's running on Jansen fell behind Josh Bell three Oh, and then was able to strike him out on a pitch out of the strike zone away, which is important because Juan Soto was on deck uh, and the Nationals just um, moved their lineup around a little bit, moving Soto to the three-hole and Josh Best Bell to the two-hole, although Josh Bell has done plenty of damage against the Braves, but worked out in the Braves' favors there. Nationals out-hit the Braves 11 
uh, to six in this game and had just seven strikeouts. If I'm being honest and I'm looking at the, you know, the overall line of this game, this feels like a game the Nationals should have won. Now, the Braves made plays to make sure that they did. Michael Harris throw throwing out a runner at home in particular. But, I mean, when you look at all the hits the Nationals had, the fact that the Braves only had six hits, scored five runs with those six hits, I mean, they, they made the most of what those hits were and when they got those hits, but it just didn't seem like that you know complete game for the Braves to me, a game where they just truly were overly dominant. Plus, when you look at the fact that Nationals had more hard-hit balls in this game and quite a few more hard-hit balls, only seven of the 18 hard-hit balls in this game came from the Braves. So, again, when you look at this offense, they scored five runs, all coming via the home run. All 13 of the runs they've scored this week have come via the home run. Just six hits and two walks against Anibal Sanchez, Andrew Machado, Hunter Harvey, and Tyler Clippard. I would say this offense still is not back just yet um this is a game where i thought they had opportunity to do so but just again they got the win it's great and you love the home runs they're i've talked about it all week those are exciting especially when it comes with runners on base but i would not say this is a game where i feel better about the offense and where they're at right now but they do get the win as we talked about on the postcast a, a win is a win and there were some bright spots in this particularly kyle wright and michael harris uh, and again, I'll take as many as these wins as we can get, and hopefully that they can get some momentum going into the All-Star break. All right, next we're going to turn our attention back to the MLB draft. We'll look at some mock drafts that are out there, and I'll tell you who I think the Braves should pick in the upcoming MLB draft. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com is the original online jeweler since 1999. They've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring. Blue Nile is committed to ensuring that the highest ethical standards are observed when sourcing diamonds and jewelry. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's Vince Jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring, making each ring unique and one-of-a-kind. If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com, and Lockdown Braves listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast podcast exclusive includes engagement pieces. Just use the code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. And thanks again for making Lockdown Braves your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the live MLB Draft Show July 27th on Lockdown MLB Prospects. Right after the first round of the MLB Draft, join MLB Prospects experts Lindsey Crosby and MLB expert Jeff Ellis as they go deep on the future stars of Major League Baseball. Subscribe now to Locked On MLB Prospects so you get notified when they go live on MLB Draft Night. And it should be an exciting draft night. The Braves have several high picks, five picks in the first top 100. Should be a big draft for the Braves. Again, they're looking to replenish a farm system that has been depleted with recent promotions and the big trade of Matt Olson. So 
Braves are gearing up for that. Um, should be a fun, exciting weekend leading into the All-Star break as well. I love the MLB draft. I love this time of year. As again, I cover the college game, so I love looking at some of these college prospects, players that I've been watching for several years and seeing where they land and following their career. Uh, it really is becoming, you know, and with the card, the baseball card game as well. Obviously, we have the sports card investor wrap that uh, is really great to use for this. When you see some of your favorite players getting drafted and following the the stock of their card and then following their rise through the minor league system. I think the draft, the minor league, um, pro the minor league prospects and system, I think it's really gaining a lot of momentum and coming, come something, something that is very popular and more well covered in the game today. But all week we've been looking at the MLB draft. We talked about high schoolers. We talked about college arms, college bats, that the Braves could be targeting. Now I just want to take a look at some of the uh, mock drafts that are out there and see who scouts, evaluators think the Braves could be taking in the first round of the draft. And I'm going to tell you what who I would take and who are some players I would be targeting with each of their top five picks. We'll start with MLB Pipeline. Their latest mock draft has the Braves taking Gabriel Hughes, a right-handed pitcher out of Gonzaga with the 20th pick, and they actually went through uh, the comp A round as well. So they have the Braves taking Justin Campbell at 35. They previously had Connor Prelip going to the, the Braves at 20, but they had him going a little bit higher in their latest mock draft. I will tell you this now, if the Braves take Gabriel Hughes and Justin Campbell <laughs> with picks 20 and 35, I will be quite underwhelmed uh, with the Braves draft, at least their, their first couple of picks. I'm not particularly high on either of those guys i think both of those are are safe picks but i think they're both back of the rotation type starters not really the high-end upside talent you're looking to draft early on so i don't love that mock draft from mlb pipeline i would not be particularly thrilled with gabriel hughes or justin campbell not that they can't be you know good solid major league pitchers those are both just kind of safe picks to me and i'd love to see the braves with that extra money take take somebody with a little bit more upside cbs sports has the braves taking cade horton right-handed pitcher out of oklahoma he's said to have a big asking price uh, wanted slot wanting slot value for somebody in the 10 to 15 range the braves obviously now have the funds to do that cade horton's uh, getting a lot of momentum going into this draft i think it'd be a solid pick i've talked about it. i like cade horton he's not at the top of my list at 20 uh, but certainly would not be upset with that. They had the Braves taking Carson Wisenhunt in their last mock and had Cooper Jerpy in the mock before that. Again, I would not be particularly thrilled with Wisenhunt or uh, Jerpy at 20, maybe at 35, but not at 20 for the Braves. Those are picks are a little bit underwhelming for me at 20. Uh, ESPN has uh, Cooper Jerpy. This was before the trade. I haven't seen an updated mock from Kylie McDaniels at ESPN but the last one had them taking Cooper Jerby out of Oregon State. Um, and another article that ESPN did, Jeff Passan had them taking Jordan Beck, the outfielder from Tennessee. Uh, wouldn't be a terrible pick there either. The Braves are looking to replenish this farm system with some bats, which they probably need to. I think Jordan Beck could be a solid one. And then Keith Law, this also before the trade happened earlier in the week, had the Braves taking Justin Crawford, a high school bat, I don't love that pick either, and I don't think that's where the Braves are going to go. But 
you know, more of kind of a average hit tool, or I'm sorry, hit, yeah, high hit tool, hitting for high average, um, but not much power, speed, very athletic, you know, obviously the son of Carl Crawford. So I wouldn't hate that pick for sure. I just, I don't see the Braves making that pick. So those are some of the biggest mocks out there that I was able to find scouring the internet. So I want to talk about, you know, the players that I would be targeting at each of these first five picks. Again, we've talked about all these players throughout the week. So I want to kind of just line it up. If everything failed the way that I want to or the way that I think it's going to, these are the players that I would take with each of these picks. So at 20, I would take Connor Prelip. Um, I just think there's a ton of upside here, a lot of risk because of the injury. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy that could be a front-of-the-rotation, front-line starter. And when you're picking 20th, which hopefully the Braves aren't picking that high again, um, you got to take a shot at a guy with some upside. And, you know, the Braves have been very good in the past couple of drafts, taking Cusick, taking Schuster, guys that weren't really thought of as high-end talents. and uh, drafted those guys, and I know Cusick's having a tough year in the A system, but in the Brave system, he was looking like he could potentially be a frontline starter. Schuster is looking great as well. So I trust the Braves and their talent talent evaluators with you know what they see and and some of these college arms that they're taking. I've just I've seen Connor Prelip you know in person a couple of times. I was really impressed with him as a freshman, where you mostly got to see him pitch before all the injuries and COVID happened. And I just think he has the ability to be a number one or two starter. And if he falls to you at 20, I think you have to jump all over that. If not, Prelip, I do like Kumar Rocker. I think I just think for the excitement factor, I think taking Kumar Rocker, I may be thinking more of this one, again, with just a personal bias because of the excitement level. But he is just that type of pitcher, an exciting type of pitcher. And I like the idea or thought of drafting him now and possibly putting him in the bullpen later in the year for a playoff run. If Dylan Lesko, the, the high school arm out of Georgia, makes it to the Braves at 20, uh, I would take him as well. Chase O'Lauder, another bat uh, that I would be okay with the Braves taking at 20. Actually, I'm starting to really like the idea of the Braves taking him at 20 if he's available. And then Cade Horton. Um, so those are some of the names I'd be targeting at 20, kind of in order of how I would rank them. At 35, if Brock Jones is still there at 35, and look, I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to take Brock Jones at 20. If Brock Jones is there at 35, and this is the outfielder out of Stanford, I jump all over that. I mean, we're talking about a five-tool talent, a good speed, power combination. I really like Brock Jones. Again, I, I would not I would not be upset at all if they took him at 20, but certainly if he's there at 35, I take Brock Jones. I like Blake Tidwell as well. Big arm, big fastball out of Tennessee. Uh, other guys are targeted at 35. I like Sterling Thompson, Peyton Graham, Jordan Beck, and Caden Wallace. Uh, again, I think there's some really good bats. And that's why I would kind of go pitcher first. If I'm talking strategy for a moment, I'd go pitcher at 20. I think there are some arms there that will be available that have some upside. And I think there's a number of solid bats at 35 that you can get that you know, have some holes, but also have some potentials that I think could be very solid, like Brock Jones. Again, if he falls that far, like Sterling Thompson, Peyton Graham, Jordan Beck, Caden Wallace. I think those are all solid bats, and I think a number of them will be available at 35. So that's why I would go pitcher at 20. I'd go hitter at 35. 
With the 57th pick, I take Peyton Paletti out of Arkansas if he is there. Again, a kid that could have been a top pick if not for injury. I think if he falls to 57, I think you're getting another arm with some big upside. I'm all about taking upside early in the draft if you can't tell. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys, especially when you have this many you know, picks in the top 100 and you have the extra money. I think that's an opportunity to take some upside. Peyton Paulette would certainly be a guy to do that with. I like Spencer Jones, the outfielder out of Vanderbilt at 57. And this is where I would take Justin Campbell. If he's there at 57, then sure, take him. I think he's a pretty safe bet to be a back of the rotation arm. It's just not something I'd want to waste a pick on in you know the top 35. But if he's there at 57, Sure, take you know, take Justin Campbell and feel pretty safe about it. Uh, at 76, if Hunter Barco is there, I know he's coming off Tommy John surgery himself. I think Hunter Barco had first first round talent, at least second round talent before the injury. I really liked him. I think he was going to be he was definitely going to be in the mix for SEC Pitcher of the Year had he stayed healthy. Uh, lefty, really good control, really good slider. So I like Hunter Barco if he's there at 76. I like Logan Tanner for the fact that. You know, the Braves need to restock the catcher position at the minor league level. And I think Logan Tanner is somebody who is a proven leader at Mississippi State. I think he has 20 home run power and he has the best arm of any catcher in this draft. So I would look at Logan Tanner, his teammate Landon Sims. If he's there at 76, I would consider that as well. Again, another pitcher coming off injury and Tommy John surgery. But when he's back and healthy, I think you can move him into a a high leverage bullpen spot pretty quickly. Judd Fabian, if he's there at 76, I think this is a big upside play. Uh, he's, he's probably the best defensive player in this draft. Has a huge power uh, tool as well. It's just the strikeouts and the hit tool. High, how high of an average can he hit for? But that's certainly an upside play at 76 if he's available. And then I like Jonathan Can Cannon, the big righty out of the University of Georgia. At 96, I think there's several good bats you could take here. Ivan Melendez out of Texas and Dominic Keegan out of Vanderbilt are both two really good bats that I think both end up at the DH position. Um, I like Robert Moore as well, infielder. Um, and then a couple of arms, Carson Palmquist, if he's there at 96, kind of like Sims, uh, he, I think he's a guy that could move into a bullpen rather quickly with a funky delivery from the left side. And then uh, Ben Joyce, I talked about the other day, Guy averages 101 miles per hour on his fastball, but just a lot of question marks for, you know, what is his development? What is his ultimate role? Can he be a starter? Um, you know, is he just destined for a bullpen spot? He's he's certainly a uh, reclamation type of project, somebody you're going to have to develop, but the upside and potential is so great uh, that I think if you get the opportunity to take a chance on him, you probably should. So if everything worked out the way, I would want it to. I'd be taking Prelip at 20, Brock Jones at 35, Peyton Paulette at 57, Hunter Barco at 76, and Ivan Melendez at 96. And I would be very happy with that draft. I think that gives you some very solid players. Obviously, I'm more of a college guy, so I'm targeting more from that level. And I think that's still the strategy the Braves go with, or is college players early and then use some of that extra money to try to steal some high school players, you know, in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth round, kind of like they did last year. But Prelip, Brock Jones, Peyton Paulette, Hunter Barco, Ivan Melendez, I would be very pleased with that draft. Those are 
the five names that they pick in the first top 100 picks. We'll see. The draft begins on Sunday. Should be a lot of fun. Be following that along uh, with me on Twitter at shortstopball. We'll obviously be talking about it in Monday's episode. But next, let's get you set up for the weekend and see how the Braves finish off the first half of this season. Can they get a sweep of the Nationals? Uh, Can they get a series win and just finish this first half on a high note? We'll talk about that next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. This weekend, the Braves will try to finish off the Washington Nationals after taking Game 1 on Thursday. Friday night's matchup will be Ian Anderson versus Patrick Corbin. Uh, Corbin, last time out against the Braves, looked pretty good for a while. Ended up giving up four earned on eight hits and two walks over six innings with just four strikeouts. Like I said last time we faced him, just a week ago, the Braves have crushed him in recent years. So, again, hoping that this is an opportunity for the offense to break out, put together some big innings, put put up a big number on the board. And they may need to because Ian Anderson's on the mound and he has been up and down and highly inconsistent for the Braves in the first half of this season. He hasn't gone six innings in nearly a month. Uh, Seems like a good opportunity for him to break out of that and get a good start going into the all-star break. Walked four batters his last time out, which was against the Nationals. So hopefully we see a good start from Ian Anderson again. He could really use one going into the all-star break, give himself some confidence for the second half, give the Braves some confidence in him because Kyle Kyle Muller who had another good start on Thursday he is lurking right there he is ready for an opportunity just waiting to get that chance so again Braves take game one got Ian Anderson going on Friday we'll have you covered with that on the postcast me and Grant McCauley after the game and then we'll come back on Sunday night as well kind of wrapping up this series and setting you up for the second half so make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Sports Atlanta so that you can see that on YouTube, and also that'll be in your Lockdown Braves podcast feed. But thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow uh, talking about the game on Friday, and again, giving you all the draft coverage over the weekend. Now make your second listen, Lockdown Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is Prospect Encyclopedia, going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. And thanks again for listening. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 